appreciate that this morning. If you have your Bibles today, the book of Psalms, the 85th division of the Psalms, Psalm 85. I'll ask if you would stand to your feet as we look at these first six verses in God's Word. Psalm 85 and verse number 1 says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? In these six verses, I see David issuing a prayer for the nation. I want to preach on that today. A prayer for the nation. Father, would you help us this morning to preach the word of God in the power and in the demonstration of your precious spirit? Father, would you touch our land? Would you touch our churches? Would you touch our people? God, would you help us today to preach the word? Father, would you cleanse us of sin? Would you empty us of self? Would you fill us with the spirit and its power? Lord, I pray today that you would speak to hearts Turn us, God, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. You may be seated this morning. A prayer for the nation. I still believe that America is the greatest nation on earth. And I make no apology this morning for being a flag-waving American. I still get a lump in my throat when we do the Pledge of Allegiance, amen? America is the greatest nation on the earth. So I think then, number one this morning, when I see these first three verses, I think of the powerful heritage of our nation. The Bible says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Why is America such a great nation? Is it because of her natural resources? There are other countries that have great natural resources. There's a president in a country in South America who was wondering why South America has greater natural resources than North America, but why North America seems more blessed. And they were interviewing the president of South, one of the South American countries, and he said this. He said, our forefathers came to South America seeking gold. But your forefathers in North America came seeking God. You see, that's the difference. Our American government is rooted in faith in Almighty God. America is a great nation today because God has blessed America. The Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Our nation, America, had a Christian beginning. The original colonies were founded 
and based upon the Christian faith. In 1620, uh, the pilgrims came over on the Mayflower. They were seeking religious liberty. And they got, when they got here, they got beneath that deck and they prayed and they wrote a covenant called the Mayflower Compact. Do you know the first words of the Mayflower Compact? They say, in the name of God, amen. Their stated purpose was for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. In 1776, the Declaration of Independence from Great Britain, which was also a declaration of dependence upon Almighty God, it says we hold these truths to be self-evident. That means we don't argue about it. It means we don't even debate it. It's self-evident. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. So the question comes to mind, did our forefathers believe in God? Absolutely. Did they believe in creation or evolution? They used capital C, Creator. They believed in Creator God. Fifty of the 55 founding fathers that signed and framed the Constitution of the United States of America were professing Christians. In 1778, James Madison, the architect of the Constitution, the fourth president of the United States, said this, We have staked the whole future of Americans, America's civilization upon the Ten Commandments of Almighty God. Today, we can't even post them in the courthouse. April 30th, 1789, I'm getting stirred up. George Washington said at his first inaugural address, My fervent supplications to that almighty being who rules over the universe and who presides in the council of nations. He went on to say, listen closely, we ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal order of, God, of good and right which heaven itself has ordained. He just said we have no reason to expect that God would bless our nation if we have rejected him. Woo! That's the father of our country who said we must depend on God. He's that same leader who knelt down on his knees at Valley Forge, amen, in the snow and asked God to bless his little ragtag army and God gave him a great victory. In December, I'm getting stirred up, in December of 1820, Daniel Webster said, let us not forget the religious character of our origin. Our fathers brought hither their, the high veneration for the Christian religion. On July the 4th, 1821, John Quincy Adams, he stood up and said, the highest glory of the American Revolution is it connected in one indissoluble bond, the principles of civil government 
with the principles of, create, of Christianity. Listen closely. That means our founding fathers believed in separation of church and state, but they did not believe in the separation of God and government. Just saying. June the 8th, 1845, President Andrew Jackson said, The Bible is the rock upon which our republic rests. In February 1861, Abe Lincoln said, Unless the great God who assisted George Washington shall be with me and aid me, I must fall. But if the same omniscient mind and mighty arm that directed and protected him shall guide and support me, I shall not fail. Let us all pray that the God of our fathers may not forsake us now. President Abraham Lincoln. Thank God for men who are willing to stand up for what they believe. He went on to say, uh, this, this is what he says, Well, what do I believe about the Bible? In regards to this great book, the Bible, I have but this to say. It is the best gift besides Jesus Christ that God has ever given to man. All the good that the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. But for it, we would not know right from wrong. In March 1931, the United States Congress adopted the Star-Spangled Banner as our national anthem. The fourth stanza of the Star-Spangled Banner says, Praise the power that hath made and preserved us as a nation. Then conquer we must. When our case and our excuse me, when our cause is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. And in June 1954, Congress adopted two words under God added to the Pledge of Allegiance. One nation under God. In July 1956, Congress adopted a bill that the national motto would be. In God we trust. No other nation has had such a Christian beginning as the United States of America. And if you're mad because I've shared the powerful heritage this morning of our country, everything that I have just spoken to you is fact-based and quotable because it was issued from the very horse's mouth themselves, amen, I did not add a word. This is what our founding fathers believed. We have a powerful heritage. Number two, we have a present horror. I must sadly confess that our national heritage lies in decay. Our Christian values are in retreat and they are vanishing. Sexual promiscuousness, promiscuousness 
and the open parading of perversion in cities all across America with these pride things going on, men walking around stark naked in front of children. That is sin in the face of Almighty God and it is sin before our young people. You may kick me off Facebook if you want to, but you'll not kick me out of the book. It is the Word of God, and what they've done is sinful. The breakup of the family, the disposal of the unwanted, unborn children, the obsession of self and materialism all speak of a society on its last legs. Only in America can you be fined $5,000 and jailed for one year for crushing the egg of a bald eagle. But a doctor can make a handsome living by killing babies in a mother's womb. We live in a sick society. Lord, help us, Jesus. What are we going to do? Number three, we turn to the Word of God. There is the prayerful healing. Look at verse four of the text. David, being our writer, sees a nation that's turning away. Look what he says. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Verse six, wilt thou not Revive us again? He's speaking to God. Now somebody may say this morning, Preacher Darren, it's too late for revival. I've heard it this week three times. Do not say that it's too late for revival because there is a God in heaven. His power is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Oh, preacher, we're so sinful. Where sin abounded, grace doth much more abound. It is an insult to Almighty God for, we to, for us to say that we cannot have revival. There is a God in heaven, and as long as there is a God in heaven, there is hope. Terrorist organizations like ISIS are not our biggest threat. Our biggest threat is God. I'm not afraid of what the terrorists will do as much as I'm afraid of what God will do if we don't repent. The scriptures speak openly about the wrath and the anger of Almighty God. Our national sin angers God and we must repent. I'm not looking at some political party to save me. You will not be spared or saved by the Republicans, amen, or by the Democrats, or, bless God, by the Independents or the Libertarians. The government cannot save us. You know what the government can do? It can protect us from evil. Government cannot even make us good. People say you cannot legislate morality. They're right. You can't. Listen now. There's not a law on earth that can make you honest, loving, kind, and compassionate. The government cannot legislate the laws 
to make you love one another. There's no law that the government can make to make you love me. So I have to have a law to keep you from killing me. That's what the government's job is to do. And our government, as I have always already early, earlier documented, the government is based upon the concept that there is a God. And if you take God out of government, what do you have left? You will have a mess because you will have wicked people who elect wicked people who make wicked laws and call it government. Get you, listen now. Woo. Do you believe in God? I'm going to ask you one more time. You better say yes. Do you believe in God? Do you believe He's able? Do you believe He's willing? Do you believe He's mighty? Do you believe He can send revival? Yes, yes, yes. He's able to send revival. Get your eyes then off the problem and get your eyes on God. He is our source of revival. Will thou, will thou not revive us again? The us. Who is the us? That's the subjects of revival. The people of revival. Who are the people? It's not the unsaved that need revival. They've never been vibed. It's God's people that need revival. Therefore, I would submit to you that the answer for our country lies not in the schoolhouse. It lies not in the White House. But I believe this morning it's in the church house. I am convinced that the only hope for our nation lies in our churches. My Bible, turn with me. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You know this verse well. Please, if you can, put it on the, on the screens. Even leave it there so I can look at it for a little bit this morning. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You may say, Preacher Darren, I've heard that verse, and it's Old Testament, and it's not even for our country. Honey, that verse has universal principles that apply to any nation to this day. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal there, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. First of all, it deals with the people God has. Look back at the first of the verse. If my people, he's talking to us. The few, put your hands in front of your face right now. The, God says the future of our country is in your hands. Right now, God's talking. Put your hands. God's talking to you, sir. God's talking to you, ma'am. God's talking to you, young lady. God's talking to you, young man. God's talking to preacher Darren. God's talking to the deacons. God's talking to the choir. God's talking to the church. God did not say if Hollywood only would. 
He did not say if the drug abusers would. He did not say, well, what are we going to do if Washington all only would. He said, if my people, it's in your hands this morning. It's in your hands this morning. There has been the pride. There's a good word, pride. My Bible says about pride, God hates it. I ought to got more amens than that. God hates pride. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves. You see, pride stalks our nation. We're trying to save face, but we ought to be on our face. We ought to put our face in the book. We need to humble ourselves. My Bible still says God resists the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. God wants this nation to humble themselves. Preacher Darren, I got a few, just a few amens. You see, right there, you know that's the problem. Our nation is filled with pride, and she wants to flaunt it in front of everybody. But I'll tell you something. There's a real difference between me humbling myself, humble themselves, and if you won't humble yourself, God will humble you. Preacher Darren, God can't humble me. Honey, God is way big enough to humble you and to bring you down. Amen. If we will not humble ourselves, God will humble us. The people God has, the pride God hates, the prayer God hears. Look, what will they do when they humble themselves? Pray. Seek my face. What kind of prayer? The prayer that seeks the face of of Almighty God. And when you pray, turn from your wicked ways. Repent of your sins. When we pray, the first thing we must do is repent of our sins. My Bible still tells me that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now my granddaughter's here somewhere this morning and uh, this week I had her in my arms and she was watching some little video and I was holding her and she stopped what she was doing for a moment and she turned her head back and she looked at me as if to say, Poppy, are you looking at me? Poppy, are you paying attention to me? Poppy, I'm not going to fall out of your arms, am I? Poppy, hold on to me. We're having a big time here, Poppy. She wanted to know that her poppy was interested in what she was doing. And God spoke to me and said, you the same way. You get up there and you preaching and you trying to sing and all you're trying to do is make sure that my face is smiling towards you, that my eyes are looking at you. Honey, we need God paying attention today. Hear their prayer as we repent and call upon his holy name. And honey, you've got God's attention when you call upon him this morning. There's the promise God honors. He says, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. When you confront and deal with your sin and confess it, God is graceful enough. He is powerful enough, he is big enough, and he's able enough 
to forgive you and to cleanse you and restore you today. Friend, God has sent revival in dark days before. He did it during the dark ages. He can do it in these horrifying ages in which we live today. We've talked about the source. We've talked about the subjects. Let's go back to our text. In Psalm 85, I'm rounding third base. The Bible tells us in verse 6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may what? Rejoice in thee. What is the sign of revival when the people of God are rejoicing in him? We're not rejoicing in self. We're not rejoicing in things. We're rejoicing not in privileges. We are not vaulting ourselves up in pride, but we're rejoicing in God. I long to have my own heart rejoicing in God. I long to have the congregation of the people of God today rejoicing in God. So what then, fourthly, is the prevailing hope. Think with me, folks. I just said the future of our nation lies in your hands. What are we going to do with it as we celebrate this 4th of July? Are we just going to watch our freedoms and our liberties recede over the horizon? Are we, as families, individuals, and churches, going to pray and seek God's face for revival. You may say, Preacher Darren, you get all tore up about stuff, but it's just rhetoric. It's not preaching because it's just, face it, not going to happen. Well, if you feel that way, if you feel that way, you may be right. If you feel that way. But you see, the way I'm going examine it today, is there is a God in glory. And as long as there's a God in glory, there's hope for revival for our nation. I think about wicked Ahab and Jezebel. They had the prophets of Baal. Elijah challenged them to a duel. He said, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Oh, and it was a dark day. People worshiping false gods, living for self. Them prophets of Baal put their sacrifice on the altar. They started jumping and hopping in self and energy, and not one thing happened. And Elijah said, maybe your God's on vacation. It's the 4th of July. Maybe he's asleep. It's late in the afternoon. Maybe he needs a nap. Keep, and they begin to cut themselves, shedding their own blood, and nothing happened. My Bible says Elijah walked over to the altar, laid out the sacrifice on the altar, dug a trench around the altar, put rocks around the trench of the altar. He said, hey, y'all, go get four barrels of water, pour on the sacrifice. Go get four more. Pour on the sacrifice. Go get four more. Twelve barrels of water on the sacrifice, on the altar, around the dust, filled up the trench and over the rocks. Here's what he's saying. Not only can my God answer by fire, but he can answer when it's wet. He can answer when it's dark. 
He can answer when it's hard. He can answer when it's difficult. Ain't nothing too hard for my God. Don't tell me it's too late. Don't tell me he can't do it. Because, honey, he can. I think of Jerusalem. Did you know, maybe this will be news to you, that they put Jesus to death. They condemned him, screaming, crucify him, and they crucified him on a cross. They hated the things of God. You talk about a bad place to live. You talk about a dark day. You talk about problems. And then they took many of the Christians and they martyred them for their faith. But guess what happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Ghost fell and 3,000 people got saved. Honey, in a hard place, in a difficult time, God sent revival. You may say, Preacher Darren, well, if he sent revival to Jerusalem, he, can't, he can send revival to America. Well, Preacher Darren, I do not believe he can send revival to America. It's too late. Well, okay. I believe then he can send revival to North Carolina. Oh, preacher Darren, it's too late for North Carolina. Okay, all right. Let's pray he sends revival to Spruce Pine. Preacher Darren, we've had a little glimmer. Well, Preacher Darren, no, it's too late for Spruce Pine. Well, let's pray he sends revival to Bethel. Well, Preacher Darren, just to be honest with you, it's too late for Bethel. Everybody's gone off. Everybody's off doing their own thing. They don't really care about God. They're just going through the motions. Okay. Well, if he can't have revival at Bethel, what about your Sunday school class? Well, Preacher Darren, our Sunday school classes, I mean, nobody really even comes anymore because they don't care. Okay, well, if he can't have revival in our Sunday school class, what about revival for your family? Oh, Preacher Darren, are you kidding? My family, I can't even witness to them. It's all I can do. Okay, then, how about let's you have revival? And if it'll start with you, it'll catch in this nation. Do you agree? I want you to stand to your feet. Brother Nathan, if you'll come play some hymn of invitation. When you hear me for a second before you start coming to the altar, you want to pray for this nation? I want you to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Had God spoken to you today? And I wanted you to come to the altar to let God speak further to you. But hear me now. If you're cold, I wrote this down. If you're cold and indifferent, I want you to come to the altar today because the Lord commanded me to pray over you in this altar today. So if you're coming to pray for our nation, come now. If you're coming to pray for North Carolina, come now. If you're coming to pray for Bethel, come now at Spruce Pine. If you're willing to pray right now for Sunday school, if you're willing to pray right now for your family, if you're willing to pray right now, God, in my little space, would you give revival? And maybe there's somebody say, Pastor Darren, I just, I got issues, preacher. There's problems. God's commanded me today, said I want you to pray over these people in this altar today. He's asking you to drop your pride and take a few steps down the aisleway. Would you come? If you're, watch, if you're watching by internet, I want you just to get on your knees somewhere. Bow your head. I'm going to pray for you today. Father, as we bow in the presence of the Almighty God, Lord, we need revival. 
Lord, we bow before you to say, God, we're sinful, we're prideful, we're worldly. God, I pray you'd forgive us, Father, of sins of omission and commission, sins of our eyes, sins of our lips, sins of our ears, sins of our hands, sins of our mind, sins of our heart. God, please forgive us. We repent. You got us. We're guilty. We're exceeding sinful. And we're ashamed. And we're sorry. And God, we bow. And we believe that you are God. And you sent your son to die for us. And he rose again. And because you raised him from the grave, there's nothing too hard for you. You proved it or and or. God, would you touch America? Would you touch North Carolina? Would you touch Spruce Pine? Would you touch our churches? Would you touch Bethel? God, would you touch families? God, would you touch Sunday school classes and worship services and choirs? God, these and the older God. Would you touch individuals, God? Would you save sinners? Would you revive, God, that your people might rejoice in thee? Lord, not unto us, Lord, but unto thy name. Give glory. And Lord, I pray about the cold and the indifferent. God, I pray that you'd put within them a fire and an excitement and a drawing for the things of God. And with this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Yes, bless